I really don't want to do this. <laughs> I feel like that's what the fans really want. Oh, God. Mmm, second episode this is. Masterful. Welcome to Jackie Watches Stuff. This is a podcast chronicling my cinematic quest to finally watch the movies I probably should have already seen. And I'm bringing my friends along with me. Anyway, Jarrett, we're back. We're going to go learn how to be Jedi. I want to be a Jedi so bad. It's so exciting. So, Luke, we last left some drama. We left Leia and the gang flying through an asteroid field, and now Luke is going to go meet Yoda because Ben whispered in his ear, go find Yoda. And so Yoda's kind of a jerk. Didn't really realize that was going to happen. Every fantasy image I kind of had of Yoda is that he's this, like, all-knowing and super helpful, but he kind of shows up and he's like kind of a little jerk. Right. So am I correct in assuming that like you had an idea of who Yoda the character was way before we watched Yeah. I mean, I knew Yoda was the little green dude. I I knew he kind of was either all-knowing or a a wizard maybe kind of vibe. I didn't realize he was kind of the Jedi master that would train Luke. I had no idea. Right. But I knew he was kind of a good guy, all-knowing right. thing. Well, and, and so like in, in 1980 when this comes out, like this totally floors people. And like this is actually kind of the setup and why he behaves that way because it's like I'm I'm here to learn from this, you know, great all-powerful Jedi master. And you look at this like, you know, tiny ancient-looking like literal Muppet. Like like Jim Henson's mm-hmm. people made the Yoda costume. And I think that's why it's funny that like he also sounds – uh, the, the same guy who, who voiced Miss Piggy, you know, did this one too. That's Like it's part of the Henson and Muppet family. You know, this idea that, you know, you don't have to be gigantic and super powerful to be very strong and the force kind of works a different way. And I, I always felt like this was like a really cool reveal that this, this ancient like wrinkly guy is like the most powerful Jedi that there is because it could have been this, this gigantic, you know, like super strong warrior. And that would have made a lot more sense. But I feel like this, this really resonated with people a lot more. And that's a good point, I guess. Even though I am watching it for the first time, I wasn't surprised. I know who Yoda is. And so being in the shoes of you who's sitting there for the first time, you've never seen this thing before. Of course, you don't think it's the all-powerful Jedi because the only other Jedi you've been introduced to at this point is Obi-Wan and and Luke. And so you assume they're human. So I guess that is a really good thing to bring up. You're you're my reality check on watching this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. And like I always feel like 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 watching this again and sort of the introduction of Yoda and he's being a little bit of a jerk. Luke shows so much restraint. I mean, let's talk about this. Like he's just first of all, you know, Luke is doing nothing but crash in this movie. He crashes his snowspeeder on Hoth, he mm-hmm. crashes his X-wing into the swamps of Dagobah, he pulls himself out. Like it, this is not going the way that he thought it was going to go. And this little like muppet comes over and is being annoying and he's eating his dinner and he's hitting R2 with a stick and he's just like, "Come on, man, you're you're making a mess. Let's not mm-hmm. do this." Like you know, he had a gun. He had a lightsaber. He could have been a real jerk if he wanted to. And he was like, no, I'm just – I'm tired. It's been a long day. It is a wonder that Luke did not attack or feel more threatened, maybe just because of the size of this thing. But in any case, Yoda – well, the the thing, we don't really know what it is. But Yoda says, oh, I'll take you to Yoda. And after Luke whines and begs to be taken <laughs> and then whines once he finds out that it's Yoda to train him to be a Jedi. And he's like, I promise I'm not a screw up. And it's like, okay. But you had your chance, dude. We gave you many opportunities. You kind of are, right? And so, yeah, they go through like – I mean if I were to like make this a, a Jedi training montage, it involves like a lot of weird handstands, carrying Yoda on his back and like going in this forest where he like fights a fake Darth Vader and sees himself and has like a weird outer body experience. And that's how you become a Jedi. Yeah. So like, like coming into this fresh, did you think so much of being a Jedi would be cardio? I had no idea. I did not know it required so many like – handstands or like lifting rocks, I guess. I don't know what I thought it was going to be, but I did not think it would be this. So how did you feel about the cave scene? Because that's sort of like not super divisive, but like a lot of people say like it's one of the most iconic scenes ever. And a lot of other people are like, eh, it kind of like, you know, takes some of the steam out of the movie a little bit. It didn't really 
do anything for me. It just kind of gave me a bit of a head tilt and I thought maybe it was just epic foreshadowing. But at this point, we already know that Darth Vader is his father. So that that foreshadowing is a little bit gone. At this point, we don't know that. Oh, we don't? Oh my gosh, no. I'm messing up my movie lines. Okay, so it is foreshadowing. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And like, like George Lucas was going for, you know, this is basically Plato's allegory of the cave, which if you're really into ancient philosophy is super profound. And if you're not, it's like, huh, okay, he could just be more patient. That's sort of like Yoda's whole thing is like, you can't rush into things. You got to be more patient, which is kind of foreshadowing of like his decision that comes a few minutes later. Yeah, because again, we're whining and whining and whining. He's like, I have to go right now. And they're like, no, you really need to you need to finish this. And even, I think even Obi-Wan shows up and is like, hey, stop it. And they're both like, no, really, you need to stay here and do your training. And- <laughs> wait, 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 wait. But before we get into this point, we have to talk about the scene where uh, Yoda lifts the, the the X-Wing out of the swamp. I think your, your oh, yes. listeners will revolt if, if we don't address that. Oh, absolutely. This was on my list because, again, teen angst, we're whining, and he's like, oh, I can't do it. I just can't. It's too big. It's too hard. It's impossible. You can do it if you're so special. If you were doing your training there, buddy, you probably could have done it. And then little Yoda's like, "Mm, watch this, and then does it. And then you would think that Luke would be like, oh, wait, maybe I should stick around. Nope. Doesn't do that. That's one of my like my favorite own like you know and and Yoda, so many of the, you know the greatest quotable lines in Star Wars are Yoda lines and and you know we don't need to go through all of them but my favorite here is like you know he's like can't do it it's impossible and Yoda doesn't say anything he just kind of walks up and then just silently does it like a badass oh, yeah. and then Luke is like oh my god I can't believe it and Yoda just stumps he's like that is why you fail. It's like that, that is like one of the best burns in all of sci-fi and he's completely right. And Luke is a whiny little bitch. So the whole thing is like teen angst and it's annoying. So in any case, the Luke's going to go and save uh, his friends because he senses them, I guess, like being in trouble. Kind of. I, I, I know you have feelings about a point later, and so I'm going to save this for that. But there, there's a reason why he's able to feel them. Right, which I do – well, we'll get there. Okay, so yeah, we'll get there. he kind of feels like something's going on. But we learn that – I mean, as they're flying through this asteroid field, uh, Han and Leia and the gang, they get to the Cloud City and they meet up with Lando. But dun, 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 Lando double-crossed them because he – basically not teamed up with Darth Vader, but Darth Vader basically threatened him. And he's like, yep, sounds good. I'll turn in my friends right now. (laughs) Which, I mean, (laughs) if I were Lando, I don't know. Would I have done it? Probably. Well, and they, they kind of say with exposition, like, like as they're sort of walking to the, the meet and greet with, with Darth Vader, like this, this operation seems like it's illegal. How haven't you been busted yet? And Lando's like, you know, well, we're small enough. We've kind of stayed off of their radar and, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of got the sense of that that was kind of what they were banking on. And because um, I think Boba Fett was able to trace uh, the trajectory of the Falcon to Cloud City, that the Empire was able to get there first. And like that sort of veil of secrecy was blown. And so like this was really Lando's only move. And, and you know, you're, you're supposed to kind of not like him a little bit. But, you know, he doesn't really have a choice. Like, like the Empire shows up and like, you've been running this illegal operation. We could totally bust you. Or you could, like, work with us and you'll be fine. Like, yep. that's his only move. But that's another one of those reveals where it's like, you know, the first time you're watching this, no one is expecting Darth Vader to be sitting at the head of a table, like, having his aperitif being like, oh, we would be honored if you would join us. Yeah, I get that. I mean, it definitely didn't feel like – because he even kind of explains like to Han very quickly, like, I didn't really have a choice, bud. I'm super sorry. Like, good luck kind of a thing. But then he double-double crosses, so he comes around. But at the same time, he turns his friends in, which, eh, not stellar. But uh, there's a whole scene of Han being tortured, which is Darth Vader's lore to get – Luke to come to the right. city so that he can. Yeah, because we 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 remember come. from A New Hope that like when when the Empire destroys the planet of Alderaan, it's it that was a re- <laughs> that was a really bad time for everyone on Alderaan, and Obi Wan was able to feel that through the Force, and so you kind of get this idea that that really profound pain or suffering can be felt. And, you know, obviously Han Solo is not a planet full of people, but because Luke has a special connection to him, like that sort of needed to happen mm-hmm. for Luke to feel it. So that's, you know, I, I love, I love that line of like 
Han Solo comes back from the torture and he's like, well, they didn't ask me any questions. Like, no, they didn't need to. The point was you had to suffer so that Luke could feel it and he's coming now. And now that he's on his way, they have to test the carbon freezer thing and they do it with Han. And I I guess I didn't remember that I knew that he was carbonized because I think I've seen him in carbon before in either like a picture or truly when I went to Disney World, but I didn't put it all together when I was watching this movie. And I kind of thought that they were going to twist their way out of it and, you know, shoot him up kind of thing. But it doesn't happen. Kind of a bummer. Wait, with it that like Han and Leia didn't somehow like take all the guns and shoot them and break out of there? Yeah, I kind of thought that was going to end up happening. There's a total reason that that's the route that they went. In the original, you know, everyone signed on for the original movie plus one sequel should it kind of happen. So everyone is doing this movie, you know, either because they really want to or they're under contract. And um, Harrison Ford, who plays Han Solo, is sort of, you know, famously not enamored with the whole Star Wars thing. It's just a job for him. It doesn't really hold any special place in his heart. And he was kind of grumbling during the filming of this movie, kind of saying, ah, this is dumb. They were really, really afraid that Harrison Ford wouldn't come back to do Return of the Jedi. Um, And they knew at this point that there was going to be a third movie. So they needed a contingency in case they couldn't get him back. And so what they thought of was, we're going to freeze him and have him sent off to the bounty hunter. And did you ever notice that like the character of Lando and the character of Han Solo are kind of similar? They're kind of like lovable, uh, charismatic scoundrels. Yeah. So if Harrison Ford wasn't going to come back... Uh, Lando Calrissian was going to basically kind of step in and fill his shoes and just kind of become that character, like the same like role in the story, but just it's a different guy now. And I don't know if you noticed, but like at the very end of Ham- Empire Strikes Back, when uh, Lando and Chewie are flying the Falcon out of there, Lando is literally wearing Han Solo's clothes as if like Han had like a spare outfit and like a locker in the Millennium Falcon. I did not notice that. That is very interesting. So he's just trying to casually slide into that Yeah, no, role. yeah. They, they, they built in a contingency and like, okay, if if Harrison Ford doesn't come back, well, I guess they never got him back from Jabba the Hutt, but Lando's here and Lando's just as good. And don't we love Lando, everyone? Yeah, don't, don't worry about Han. No. He's fine. He's fine. Interesting. Well, now we get both of them, which is, you know, exciting. So I'm glad that they're back. Uh, I will say I did not see the whole double crossing thing like, happening at all i was actually surprised so i did not think that he was just going to show or darth vader was just going to show up on the cloud city like that and just take over everything and like i said i really expected there to be a big shootout or something but doesn't really work so luke gets there and there's this back and forth of like it's a trap don't do it and luke of course needs to be the hero and so he runs after <laughs> and goes right into what the trap. trap i should go toward the trap okay you want me to come with you? Uh, and so they have this semi-iconic, like, Luke versus Darth Vader, one of several – well, not several, one of two, I think uh, – fights. And Luke gets his butt totally kicked and his hand chopped off. Whoops. Right. And I, I think, like, a big aspect of this fight is that, like, you know, they, they really make it obvious that Luke has not finished his training. He's not ready yet. Mm-hmm. This fight goes on for a while and, and – Luke scores one or two lucky hits, but for the most part, Darth Vader is just toying with them. Like at every point he could Mm -hmm. kill him if he wanted to, but he's not trying to kill him. He's trying to capture him. Right. And so Darth Vader does the typical villain thing where he goes on a monologue and explains his whole plan, which is great for me as a viewer because it really lays it out for me. Uh, And so we learn that he wants to team up with Luke and destroy the Emperor and rule the galaxy as father and son. Which here, here is where I have feelings. And of course, I'm sorry, I should get to the big part. We get the reveal. Luke, I am your dun, father. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so I told you the salty story of David Prowse in the first one so that I could tell you this story right now. Okay, so oh this is actually one of the biggest, most secret reveals in all of movie history. In fact, only like four people knew that this was the line. So like... I told you before, David Prowse is in the Darth Vader costume. He thought he was going to be the voice. He was kind of cheated, all of that. He was a little bit salty. And in the years between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, he becomes a little bit outspoken to the media. He's sort of like a little bit just 
annoyed that he's not a more prominent part in this thing. And there's a lot of anecdotes of like the mm-hmm. filming of The Empire Strikes Back where at this point he's figured out they're not going to use his audio. So he's purposely flubbing the lines like, you know, the, that that whole scene in the asteroid field where they're changing the Millennium Falcon. They're mm-hmm. chasing the Millennium Falcon. Sorry. Um, so apparently, like when they were recording that, every time that Darth Vader says asteroids, uh, the the actor David Prowse says hemorrhoids, just to try and get a reaction. Oh because like, there, there's a famous line with I, I've heard it where it's like hemorrhoids do not concern me, Commander. And just he's he oh, is dear. purposely trying to get a rise out of the actors on set because he's just like over it. So. Going into this, they were really afraid that David Prowse was going to leak this big reveal that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. So in the script, they had it as the line the, the line was, uh, you know, Obi-Wan never told you the truth. You know, he, I didn't or, or Darth Vader didn't kill your father. Obi-Wan killed your father. And then that's kind of what Luke oh. was reacting to. And so the first time anyone ever hears you know, no, Luke, I am your father is during the screening. And there's one point where like during that Mark Hamill, who plays Luke Skywalker, like famously leans over in the theater to George Lucas is like, why didn't you tell me I would have done that totally different. Um, <laughs> That's so interesting that they wouldn't tell well, it's just, him. They, they, they really were afraid of it, if it, you know, cause it was going to be like a huge reveal. Like, cause again, this is 1980, Big plot twists mm-hmm. in movies are are not as big of a thing as they are now. This is like you know the the pre M Night Shyamalan era where everything kind of had to twist or be mm-hmm. like unique or special or different. Um, but they were just really afraid that David Prowse inside of the Darth Vader costume was going to leak this information. So they let everyone believe that the big reveal was no Obi Wan really killed Luke's father. Oh, well now, now we, know. we know that's not the case because Darth Vader kind of killed. From a certain point of view. Which, okay, I'm just going to talk about it now. I'm going to talk about my feelings okay. now, even though it'll it technically comes up in the next movie where, where Obi-Wan says exactly what you just said, that from a certain point of view, Darth Vader had not once lied to Luke at all. When they, when they met, he was like, I'm your dad. This is what I want to do to you. I want to make you rule on the dark side with me. Like, let's go. I don't want to kill you. I just want to capture you and make you turn to the dark side. Let's go. Meanwhile, we've got Yoda who's like, oh, yeah, like, I'll take you to Yoda. Ha, 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 kidding. It's me. Ha, ha, YOLO. And then we've got Ben who's like, oh, uh, yeah, I know I told you that. Yeah, well, from a certain point of view, I guess. And then also, I mean, we will get to it in the next movie, but dying Yoda says, oh, yeah, and by the way, you have a sister. <laughs> Why would Luke stay on this side of the fight? Nothing. There has been nothing but honesty from the dark side. Nothing but honesty. I know you've already covered the wedding singer on this show, and I feel like this is where, like, one of the lines, like, you know, again, this is information that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. Would would have been a really big help. Yesterday, last week, when we started our Jedi training together, when we met, any of those things. So those are my feelings about that yeah and i'm sure i'll talk about them again <laughs> well, when yoda it, dies but even even in even in return of the jedi right before he dies like luke asks him straight like so hey yoda is darth vader my father and yoda's gonna be like um um i need to take a nap um i need to go to sleep dude you're about to die just do it rip the band-aid off Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. okay now that that rant is over i do have to ask how old is Han Solo supposed to be? Because uh, I skipped over another iconic line to get right to Luke, I am your father. I miss the I love you, I know moment. I'm so sorry, audience. And I had a moment of like, how old is Han supposed to be and how old is Leia supposed to be? I mean, they, they, they never address it, but in A New Hope, um, Harrison Ford is in his 30s and Carrie Fisher is 19. So this is three years later. So, Ooh. you know, he's in his mid to late 30s. Carrie Fisher's in her early 20s. That feels feels interesting, yeah. but seemingly consensual. Right. So I will support so, it. So another interesting factoid about that scene is like, you know, the, that famous line is, you know, I love you, I know. The original line was going to be, I love you too. 
And they did it like 18 times and it just always felt really bad and really forced. And then like Harrison Ford on one take just kind of said it offhand as a joke and everyone kind of laughed. But then they kind of said, actually, that really works. Let's go with that. Interesting. I mean, it fits the character. (laughs) (laughs) But it also kind of fits Harrison Ford, so. Well, he's basically telling that to her the whole movie ever since they're on Hoth. It's like, you have feelings for me. He's like, no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. And then she's finally like, I love you. It's like, yeah, I've been saying that for like an hour and 20 minutes. And to go back to like viewing in the lens of 2020, like, come on. <laughs> like all of that stuff of like, you like me, you like me, you like me. Like, <laughs> no, don't love it. Don't love he it. He doesn't take no for anyway. an answer. Oh, it's bad. It's so bad. I have like several spinoff options for this podcast of like how characters would have benefited from therapy, but also like the lens of 2020, how things can be better. (laughs) It's bad. Anyway, so we see kind of the fighting. Luke loses his hand, also has to deal with the fact that he learns that uh, Darth Vader is his father and reconcile with the fact that, uh, I don't know, Obi-Wan lied to him, strike one. Uh, so as Leia and, and this is kind of alluded to again, as Leia and the gang are kind of flying away, she has this sense that we have to go back. And I wonder why there's a sense. She mm. can and I don't know. I have to ask you, did you see that as foreshadowing the first time you saw this movie? Because of course, like I said, it was spoiled for me, unfortunately. So right. I knew exactly what that meant. Right when it happened. I, I mean, the first time that I watched these movies, I was 11 and I definitely did not pick up on that was where that was, you know, that was where they were going. Um, and I, I know that like a little bit, I don't feel like anyone else really like knew they were going there either. Like, I, like you know, they, they sort of defined the force and its capabilities a little bit better at the, in this movie. But I think one of the big advantages of the original trilogy is they, they left it sort of open ended. You know, it's not like, you know, the force is just going to fix any problem we have, but we don't really know everything that it can do in, in an interesting kind of a way. But um, I know that you know, kind of behind the scenes of Return of the Jedi when they're reading in the script that like, oh, Leia is my sister. uh, 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 Mark Hamill like leans over to the writers and is like, really? Are we just like full on soap opera now? Like, because I I feel like they thought that that was a little bit hammy. So I'm sure some people kind of caught it. But again, this is 1980. The, the, The modern story structure that we're used to seeing where you know, everything is rehashed. Every, everyone is related to someone else. Like the thing that you're expecting mm-hmm. to happen is kind of going to happen. Just wasn't as much of a thing. So I, I really do think that this um, took audiences by surprise a little bit. And, you know, you got to imagine they, they they thought of it to some degree because as Luke is flying off in his huff uh, to, to go lose to Darth Vader and uh, ghost Obi-Wan and Yoda are having their little talk. And Obi-Wan is like, oh, that boy is our last hope. And Yoda's like, no, there is another. It's like, okay, well, they're, they're building something here. But I think you know, they weren't exactly mm-hmm. clear what they wanted to do with it. They were leaving themselves options and they were going to figure it out later. Because, again, they weren't 100% sure that Carrie Fisher was going to even come back for the third one. Right. Yeah, I was going to say it, it it's basically set the ball perfectly because it gave it a lot of options. And like you said, I don't think anyone probably caught it necessarily. Maybe some people had theories, but I think the the average audience member probably didn't catch anything about right. it. So they do go back and they save Luke. Yay. They go into hyperspeed and it kind of just ends. Darth Vader kills another lieutenant with his spooky, scary hand force thing. Luke gets his hand back. They look out into the space field stars and, you know, it's kind of setting itself up for Return of the Jedi. Hey folks, your producer Sean here. You know what's up. Disney litigation copyright. Cue the kazoos. Skywalker has returned to his home planet of Tatooine in an attempt to rescue his friend Han Solo from the clutches of the vile gangster Jabba the Hutt. Little does Luke know that the Galactic Empire has secretly begun construction on a new armored space station even more powerful than the first dreaded Death Star. When completed, this ultimate weapon will spell certain doom for the small band of rebels struggling to restore freedom to the galaxy. 
The fact that this opened with C-3PO and R2-D2 just strolling through the desert, presumably just knocking on Jabba the Hutt's door to say hey, was such a surprise to me. How did you think it was going to open? I have I have no idea, but I it was just like, oh, we just knock on his door. Isn't he like an evil dude? But apparently we're just, and I'm like mimicking the way C-3PO walks right now like bloop 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 knock 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 here we are well, it, and they show up in this like dance club thing yeah I mean so so we, we learn later that Luke has thought of this plan to rescue Han and it has many many different complicated stages and one of them was just mm-hmm. I'm gonna send the droids in to kind of you know give this message and ask but I need them placed in Jabba's palace for my daring and very complicated escape so they need to be there but um yeah it's totally confusing but R2 knows what the plan is and C3PO doesn't so I feel like you know we as the audience are like from C3PO's perspective like this doesn't make any sense why would they just go there and it's like oh actually you know Luke has a plan and he needs them there for this later part Mm-hmm. Yes, which we see because we do see to fast fast forward all the way. We see like R two shoots the lightsaber at him and like all these things. Like it's all planned, right. uh, which is bananas. Right. Um, which and again, like like as an audience member watching this for the first time, at the end of Empire Strikes Back, Luke's hand gets cut off. His lightsaber goes with it. That all like you know we actually see that fall to the planet below. He doesn't get that back, and so. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes sense that he would build a new lightsaber for this new movie, but as the audience, we don't know that. He doesn't necessarily know how to make a lightsaber. He was given his first one, mm-hmm. which was his dad's old one. And so I feel like, you know, a lot of people are like, when when he has to fight the Rancor, man, that would have been so much easier if he had his lightsaber. But I think like they were really going for that dramatic tension of, like, we don't necessarily know that he has a new lightsaber. So that it's an even cooler reveal when it sort of comes at that last moment and he just, like, totally beats up on everyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, before we get into the much needed conversation that we've been holding out on about CGI, yes. I just want to mention, because I wrote this in my notes when they arrive and meet Jabba, I wrote a lot of bad feelings about a woman chained up dancing for him, but you know, <laughs> just another moment. Doesn't feel great. This isn't how we treat people. Just for the this record. This is how Jabba runs things. We are we are not supposed to like him. And I mean, based on the way they interacted, I'm going to assume that it was not consensual. Just no, assuming. No, no, no. Based on the fact that he threw her into a pit to die. <laughs> in, in, in screenwriting, there's always this thing of like, they call it like the save the cat moment where a person like saves a cat and like you sort of know that they're meant to be the hero and, and maybe they're a little bit flawed, but they're basically good because they, they've saved this cat. I feel like... I'm going to chain up dancers is like the opposite of the save the cat moment. Like, oh, this is this is an unqualified, like bad guy. He is the worst guy ever. We hate him. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So now we have to put in the conversation about how CGI killed this film trilogy. Not killed. That's a little little dramatic, but altered it to the point where people tell me all the time that I should see the originals, (laughs) which is concerning. Uh, And it's called it is literally called Jedi Rock. Right. So there's that. But then also, right, I want to say right before that, we see Jabba. This is the f- technically in the originals, the first time we see Jabba. Yes, right? correct. He is, he is okay. mentioned, so but he this is the first time cool. we see him. Yeah, you know, he, they, he, they built a Jabba. He looks great. It looks great. And then knowing that I watched the special edition of the first movie, that CGI of him talking to Han was like such a waste of time. Yes. Did not love. Ugh, so bad. But anyway, talk to me about your feelings. Oh, man. Well, okay, okay. There's a lot of things that are happening during this part. Which part are you talking about? I am talking about Jedi Okay, I, I, there's nothing to talk about. It's it's terrible. It, it doesn't need to be there. <laughs> we don't need to see it. Um, I think I remember watching this in the theaters when they re-released um, Return of the Jedi as a special edition. It's the first time the whole world is getting to watch this and like – um, 1997, I was just like, huh. And like, I didn't think about it that much, but like, as I've like rewatched these movies over and over again, every time it grates at me a little bit more. And like, I, I rewatched all of these so that I could be prepared to talk about them on your podcast. And Jedi rock is the only scene that I had to fast forward through. Cause I just, I couldn't take it another time. I am so sorry, but I appreciate you at least kind of bearing through it. George Lucas wanted kind of a second whack at it, but there is a point. Um, it's a word my mother uses all the time, which is like ungapachin, which means like you touch it too much. It's like 
if you make like a macaroni picture frame and then you add glitter and then popsicle sticks and googly eyes, like it's ungapachin. Like you don't need that much. And I think that's what we reached with this trilogy. And that will be my hot take cool. on special. And editions. so, like you know, th- this is like <laughs> this is happening on the same planet as the original movie, and it's six years later. So you know, we can only assume that like the hot musical act that was the Jizz Whalers has has broken up by this point and had a falling out. And he had and they probably they couldn't get no, him. They, yeah, they couldn't get him no, again. They're they're broken up or they're <laughs> way too famous now, and so they 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 get this this weird CGI Muppet and these weird CGI singers yeah. with with real human character dancers with 1997 mm-hmm. technology and none of it really goes together. Yeah, it was, it was a rough, I, I completely understand that why you fast forwarded yeah. through it. It was not great. But the other thing that really struck me about all of this, I mean, amongst other things, like the fact that, you know, Luke had to basically show up in full, get full Jedi gear and fight a monster and stuff. Like, Leia, Leia getting sexy yeah. moment, basically. So I have to ask you, Jarrett, how old were you when you watched this movie? Did you feel like it was an appropriate age? So, you know, I, I knew we were going to talk about this and I knew the conversation was going to go here. I think the first time that I watched these movies all the way through, I was maybe 10 or 11. And I remember seeing that outfit and thinking like, huh, that's interesting. But then, you know, watch it in middle school watch it in high school and it's like Mm -hmm. oh oh Oh. it makes sense now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. yep and i think we'll just leave it there uh i didn't didn't love that we didn't really need it again non-consensual like chaining moment don't love it but it does come back around because she literally pulls it around jabba's neck and kills him so that's where we're at with yeah. that so can we talk like one of one of the sweetest moments in all of this is the fight with the rancor and he mm-hmm. he kills this monster no one is expecting it he's the total underdog and everyone yes. is like outraged like what and then they bring in like the rancor owner and trainer and he's just like sobbing because yeah. his friend so and it's like everyone loves someone and there's always two sides to a story and this guy loved this hideous monster yeah. and this is like the worst day in his whole life and i always feel for him whenever the two moms i always like feel super sad about or this guy has to like look upon his dying pet and like you know later during the big uh, Endor battle, like when one of the Ewoks dies and like the other Ewok like throws himself over him and is just really sad. I'm like, oh my God. I thought we covered all the points of view that have not been covered yet in this movie series and, and everything else, but maybe that's another point of view we need to see <laughs> is the owner. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours of him just training this Rancor and loving him and like, you know, giving him treats and scratching his belly. And then and this, like, this, this, this douchebag yeah. shows up and like drops a gate on him and kills him. And I was like, What? That's so sad. It's it's really Ugh, sad. All right. Well, TM on that one. We're going to write that story. <laughs> <laughs> so the next section I call Yoda, the asshole. Because again, as I've mentioned, come on. He's sick and old and dying. And he says, uh, yeah, there's another Skywalker. Oh, yeah. Uh, Darth Vader's your dad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, What? Why did you wait this long? And like you said, he's kind of like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't. I got to go to sleep. It's, like, it's nap time. It's nap time for you. And I I will admit I did not expect Yoda to die. I honestly didn't think that he could die. But here we are. So, you know, it happens. And, and, Obi-Wan shows yep. up and tries to defend it. But again, come on. I feel like Obi-Wan's whole speech is like, oh, really, Luke, you're the jackass. You just need to see it from my point of view. <laughs> and that's called gaslighting, Jarrett. <laughs> okay. And that's not okay. <laughs> so so I know you opened this this episode with with your, you know, your faithful recreation of the Yoda voice. Um, an interesting bit of canon is he says in this movie that he's 900 years old. And a lot of people have always asked, well, why does Yoda talk that way? Um, the reason that the writers came up with is because he's 900 years old. And he comes from a time where presumably 900 years ago, everyone in the galaxy talked this way. And that was just how they did it. And, you know, language evolves oh. over time and over species. But because he's so old, that's why he talks so strangely. Interesting. And, I mean, he doesn't talk – Super strange, I will say. I thought it was going to be jarble, like out of order words all the time, but he, he pretty much. Yeah, it. 
so it's not too far. It's like off. if you were magically transported to like 1600s England, like you, you'd have a, a a fair time understanding what they were saying, but it would sound a yeah. little bit weird to you. You could find the bathroom and get the Wi-Fi password. Totally fine. Yes, <laughs> that medieval <laughs> Wi-Fi was awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> So the one thing that did bother me about this part is that Luke kind of magically puts together that Leia is his sister. And it's – for something that is such a plot twist, you know, we we learn that Darth Vader's his father. For something that's such a plot twist, it's so casual, yeah. I think. I, I feel like in Star Wars, certainly the original trilogy, this idea of like search your feelings, you know it to be true is their way of saying, well, you know, the plot's not going to move itself. Let's get this going. I, that's fair. I mean, I guess he has to do it for the audience. Like, hey guys, if you haven't figured it out yet, here's like go. He, Yoda spoke of your twin sister. And it's like, huh? Who's literally the only other female in this galaxy that we have seen? Oh, of course it's Leia. It must be Leia. <laughs> it would be even funnier if it was like, you know, Mon Mothma, the the leader of the rebels, who we meet a couple scenes after this. It's like, oh yeah, that lady's your sister. It's like, no, of of, of course like, oh, it's whoops. Leia. <laughs> So I guess the whole, I mean, really, we kind of just not just show up to Star Wars for the fighting, but really we finally get into it. They do a good, a, a pretty good job of shoving all the plot development in the beginning and then getting it really the, the fighting stuff towards the end. So then we get quickly rolling the snowball down the hill of, oh, the, the weapons are down on the Death Star. We have to go right now. Darth Vader is itching to go find Luke, and the Emperor's like, quiet, young grasshopper. Your time will come. Oh, man. Like, your time the will the come. introduction of the Emperor in this movie is, is another one of those moments that I always love watching because, like, you know, this is the first time we're meeting him. They have been talking about this guy for, for two movies now. And, you know, when, mm-hmm. when Darth Vader shows up in the very opening scene to the Death Star, like, 20 stormtroopers come out to greet him, but – the Emperor shuttle arrives and like the whole station has turned out and it's like, uh oh, mm-hmm. daddy's home. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. And I didn't realize we were gonna meet him, so that was a whole thing. But in any case, they I mean at the at the end of the day, it's you see kind of three stories unwinding. We see Darth Vader basically begging the Emperor to go find Luke. We see the ground crew and we see the air right. crew pretty much fighting the whole time so really it's just a lot of a lot of pew pewing but i can't go without talking about the ewoks because this movie is literally nothing without ewoks yeah okay so so like you've already covered like the point of you know han shot first but the second thing as like a a newly inducted member of this series you have to have an opinion on the ewoks either you know super positive or super negative but you need to go strongly in one direction or the other Oh, I am strongly. Oh, definitely. And I've got a theory that like anyone who saw these movies, um, like sort of after they all came out is, is going to be a fan of the Ewoks versus people who are like seeing this for the first time in theaters are a little bit more, Ooh, I really liked the dark tones of empire strikes back. And this was too kiddie, but I feel like anyone afterwards was like, you know, really pro Ewok. And like, I mean, I was, sorry. I don't know. I mean, you're pro Ewok, not only because they are darling, but they like really kind of help save the day eventually yeah well and like, like it like, takes some time. something I, I won't spend a lot of time talking about it but something that's really been covered in a lot of detail is you know where did george lucas get a lot of his inspiration for these different points and you know we know with like the first one he was really enamored with this idea of the vietnam war and a technologically inferior people sort of like doing their thing and overcoming like a superior force. And that was meant to be originally like the rebels, um, you know, their technology isn't as good as the empire. They don't have as good as ships, but they're, they're plucky and they're, they, they persist and they do it. And, you know, I feel like George Lucas kind of doubles down on that in, in return of the Jedi, where it's like the Ewoks are as literally as primitive as you can get. They have rock tip spears and they still manage to defeat, you know, the, the, the elite legion of the emperor's supposedly best troops. Yeah, which to go back to our earlier discussion about the good of the Stormtrooper uniform, like, really, guys? You got rocks thrown at you? Really? I feel like you can suspend your disbelief a lot with the Stormtroopers, but it kind of comes crashing down at, like, you were shot with a rock-tipped arrow in the shoulder, and you still kind of go down. Yeah, like, you aren't dead. No, you're... You're absolutely not You're (laughs) maybe not even bleeding. Like, we don't know. Yeah, you maybe didn't even notice it, honestly. (laughs) 
Well, I that's interesting that people have strong opinions. I mean, I can honestly say I instantly was like, oh, look, it's darling and fuzzy. I mean, it also has like a a kind of evil looking face. So it does. It's not too childish. It's not like a teddy bear. Teddy bear. Uh, the phrase close. "murder teddy bear" has been thrown around in in describing the evil. It's, it's, it's like it's like teddy bears yeah, who want to like suck your bone marrow. Oh, I mean. All right, that tracks for this movie, truly. And, and and this is another one where, like, if if this were made in 2020, the Ewoks would have absolutely been barely passable CGI, and it would have been okay. But you know, they hired as many little people as they could find, and they put them in uncomfortable teddy bear suits. And I love that one scene where, like, the stormtrooper physically picks up and body slams the Ewok, knowing that there's a little person <laughs> in an uncomfortable teddy bear suit who's like hitting the ground with some with some force. There, it is very sad. But we well, we meet them and we, you know, of course, Leia is like Snow White in this moment of like, here, eat this food, here, see my helmet. And it's like adorable. And then they basically <laughs> C-3PO is an asshole again and becomes their <laughs> god casually and then doesn't leverage that to save his friends. This, this is <laughs> like, one of my favorite parts of this whole movie. It's like it would be improper for me to impersonate uh, a deity as like, you know, they're tied up and about ready to be like, like put on fire. Ugh. I was screaming at the television, truly. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It's so, so bad. And so basically they get welcomed into the right. Ewok tribe and this, this is where uh, Luke tells Leia everything, like lays it out. Like, by the way, you're my sister. That kiss we had, NBD, that's our dad. No big deal. Also, I'm going to ask you about your mom. No reason. Uh, and he, Luke decides, I'm going to go and get Vader. And I'm not going to like fight him. I'm going to make him good again. And this reminds me of every time I'm like, if I just stay with him a little longer, I can fix him. I, I swear I can fix him. And this is another entry in my If Characters Went to Therapy session of the podcast where I talk about how if Luke had gone to therapy and said, hey, therapist, I feel like I could fix my dad. Therapist would be like, let's talk about why you feel that way. And we would get to the root of it and no, you cannot fix yeah. it. Yeah. You cannot fix it. So can we talk, we talk about like, like Leia's big reveal post being accepted by the Ewoks for – She's got this new pretty dress and this new fancy hairstyle. Like, did she do that herself? Are the Ewoks like experts at cosmetology? Like, I don't know. I mean, are they kind of like the um, the helpful rats in uh, Cinderella, where they also can make dresses? Like, that's kind of what I'm feeling. But maybe it was her. I mean, she has like the longest hair. She's got to know some good hairstyles to keep that stuff back. Maybe the people who dressed her when she was with Jabba taught her how to deal with her hair. I don't know. And again, it, she does kind of have a costume change moment. Where did that dress come yeah. from? The Ewoks are not that tall. That is like she point. certainly like you're on a stealth mission to blow up a shield generator and get out of there as quick as possible. You're not bringing a change of clothes. And if you are, that change of clothes is probably not a dress. No, and Leia's not the kind of person to bring a dress to say, oh, I have to look good doing it. Like, she's the one that's just throwing her hair back in a, a, what is truly a beautiful braid, but, like, to get it in the helmet and just going. So I – that is a good question. I don't know where she got that dress from. But maybe she fit it in her bag. Who knows? And then I love this moment of, of like, right. you know, C-3PO is a god for the first and only time in his life. And Luke – through the force gives him magical godlike powers and C-3PO could have played it totally cool and just owned the moment and he so does not. No, absolutely not. C-3PO drives me crazy as everybody knows and I feel like feels the same way. But this was so annoying and even Han says it like, hey dude, could you maybe leverage this right now to save us as we're tied up here, buddy? It doesn't work. So ridiculous. I know. They do get out though. Uh, because truly because Leia's like, no, guys, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? That's all it took? And so, uh, well, Luke has C-3PO fly around as though he is a god. Yeah. But because of course. Uh, so there is – then we kind of see the the fights happening all intercut, and I'm not going to bounce back and forth. But really the big deal is that Luke surrenders himself to Darth Vader because Luke and Leia had the conversation about, you know, I'm going to fix him. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. And 
it doesn't work naturally. So he surrenders himself to Darth Vader and is like, no, you're not going to you're not going to bring me to the emperor. You're going to turn to the light side. It's going to be great. And like it doesn't I don't understand why Luke is so dead set on this and why he thinks this will work and and why he's so committed to quote fixing his father that he has no relationship with that he just found out exists. Well, because I, I always kind of felt like watching this for the first time that in Empire Strikes Back, you know, Vader presumably didn't really know that Luke was there either. So like the the fact that they're all finding out about about each other's existences at the same time is kind of weird and they're all dealing with new thoughts and feelings and um Vader's offer in the Empire Strikes Back is like join me we're going to like overthrow the emperor and we're going to do this together as father and son, like, 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 you know, a souped up version of bring your, your kid to work day. And I want to think that, that Luke is just like, I've never had a dad. I've always wondered about this. He didn't really know that he had me. This is all very confusing. And I, I, you know, this is like such like a, a young person thing, but I, I really believe he just thought that like, if I can just get in a room and talk with him as a person, he's going to see my way of mm-hmm. thinking. And how could he not like go with me? This is, this is, of course, this is going to happen. So naive, little Luke. Yeah. But you know, d- during that scene, it, it works a little. Like it, he, he doesn't he does. just shut him down. He, he, he kind of thinks about it for a second. Vader's like, no, that kind of be too big of a change for me. Like I, I'm going to take you to the emperor. He's your master now. <laughs> like, Luke, I've kind of got this whole thing going. Like, do you see the cloak and the mask? Like, you kind of got a personal brand to, to keep up. It's like, so I am like... Don't think that's going to work. I am like two months away from making my, like, employer match contribution on my space 401k. <laughs> I, I really need this. I can't quit right now. You'll understand when you're older, son. <laughs> Luke, it's your father. You, you got to think about these things. Like, you know, it's your future. That I'm looking out true. for you. Is... Oh, that's space 401k. <laughs> So it doesn't work. Uh, like you said, I mean, it works a little, right? Like we make a little tiny chip in the giant block that is the the obstacle in front of him. That was a terrible metaphor. Yeah. It kind of works, but not really. Uh, and then, of course, like all bad guys, the emperor does his bad guy monologue and basically tells the emperor or tells Luke, you know, you can't control your feelings. You should come to the dark side. By the way, all your friends are getting shot at. Here, just take a look. And Luke like looks outside yeah. and watches them get shot like at. In, in, Very dramatic. In all of sci-fi, there is no one so good at being the bad guy as the emperor. Like like the mm-hmm. whole prequel trilogy is is the emperor um, in the sequel trilogy, which you haven't seen or heard of yet. Like after that kind of goes off the rails, they have to bring the emperor back from the dead because it's like he's our one cool thing we've got left. So let's just do this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's great. And I love that moment of just like, you know, we're and this is, again, a, a super naive. You know, he's not really a teenager at this point anymore, but he's kind of thinking in that sort of naive young adult mindset of like, we're so clever. We had a plan. Soon I'll be dead and you're going to be dead with me. It's like, oh, you mean this whole thing you had orchestrated no i've been behind that since the beginning you're not smart you're not cool like this is all my plan Mm -hmm. and he's like crap he might be right yeah and then that's the whole kind of the uh, the crux of it i guess is he gives in to his anger and that's what the emperor is doing he's egging him on to get angry and say oh come join me on the dark side you can't control your anger and give in and so therefore even though he keeps saying i don't want to fight you dad i don't want to do it they fight anyway right and i i feel like this is like sort of the defining moment for luke as a character and sort of like you know anyone who starts out good could maybe turn bad and what's the thing that turns him and you know in empire strikes back like Vader offers him the promise of of power and wealth and riches, like, you know, join me and we're going to rule the galaxy together. And Luke's totally not interested. He'd rather, you know, jump maybe to his death than, than join this evil guy. And, you know, he does sort of get angry in Return of the Jedi, but he's not just like pissed and lashing out. I, I really believe that he thinks that, you know, if he can if he can kill the Emperor and Darth Vader right then, he could somehow stop this attack that that's that's going to kill his friend. So he does kind of turn a little bit, but it's for a really good reason. He kind of does it with with the right intentions, as as much as you can have the right mm-hmm. intentions for just <laughs> whacking someone with a laser sword. I know. Well, he whacks him and cuts his hand off, which is like full circle. Right. Uh, and so that kind of sparks the drama. And this is, of course, all intercut with 
scuffles outside of the bunker. We see the Ewoks like shooting their very menacing sword arrows, apparently, or uh, stone arrows rather, at the very shielded stormtroopers. No big deal. Uh, Lando is leading the fleet in the air and realizes that the defense shield isn't down yet. So there's a lot of interspersed high intensity drama in all of this, but it definitely starts to come to a head when the Emperor goes to kill Luke, which I truly did not see coming, I will be honest with you. Uh, And so he uses his, like, electric-looking whatever it is, like, zappy power (laughs) to start killing Luke. I don't know. What is it called? His level 10 uh, lightning bad guy powers. Oh, that sounds right. (laughs) He rolled a a critical – nope, not a critical fail. A a natural 20. That's it. And uh, started, like, zapping Luke. And Luke screams out, Father, please. And I don't know if this is a ploy. Like, he's trying to make Darth Vader soft or if he's genuinely thinks that Darth Vader is going to flip in that moment. I have See, no I, I really think this is one where, like, Luke has made a moral stand. He could have killed Darth Vader. He could have, done, you know, joined the Emperor and done exactly what the Empire, the Emperor wanted. And he throws his lightsaber away and he says, no, I'm not going to do it. And, like... The Emperor is supposedly super powerful. Um, you know, we we learn in the prequels, which you know, I, I know we don't cover here, the Emperor does have a lightsaber that he uses there he doesn't use now. You know, he's so strong in the Force, he could do something like use the Force to stop Luke's heart or snap his neck or something. But, like, he uses the lightning because he's kind of a dick and he just likes toying with Luke. Like, he really wants him to hurt. And I believe, like... You're being shocked with lightning over and over again. This is really, really bad. I don't really think that Luke had thought about this or planned for this. As the audience, this is the first time that we know that this is a power that the dark side has. This has never been used before. So I think like Luke just didn't know what was going on and like just like this is his last ditch effort. Like he's just sort of appealing. I don't think he knows if it's going to work, but this is like just the thing that comes to him in this moment. That's a good point because I think this is the first time we've ever seen a power like this. We've seen lightsabers, but that's just a tool. We've seen lasers and guns and things shooting, but those are all tools. But this is the first time we've seen an actual like power come from a person like right. that. And and so for like for two movies now, the Emperor has been like, we need to capture Luke Skywalker. He will be our most powerful ally. We really need him. And in this moment, like Luke's been like, nope, not interested, nothing you can do. And so like the Emperor really wants to make him hurt. This is what this is about. Mm-hmm. Like he mm-hmm. he's he's pissed off that he's invested so much time and energy into getting this kid and it's not going to work out. So he's like, I'm just, I'm I'm the bad guy. That's fair, but it doesn't work because Vader's heart grew three sizes that day, <laughs> and he decided it felt very grungy to me. I've never thought about that and before, but of course, of what? Oh my but God. of course you're right. Of course, that's the perfect comparison. His heart grew three sizes and he decided to save his son. And of course, the, you know, he's already like hurting or whatever, but he picks up the emperor, which was again not a move I thought was gonna happen. Picks up the emperor. And I think you and I had a had a previous conversation about this, but I definitely want your thoughts. I kind of thought that the emperor didn't quite know how to control his powers because he was distracted, almost like when um, Luke was doing his handstands and his original training and therefore just kind of surrounded him and also therefore Darth Vader. And that's what kind of ended up killing him. But it was, it could have been intentional that he then decided to kill Vader instead of. Luke. See, I always kind of thought, cause like, like when I was a little kid watching this, I didn't really connect this, but like, you know, we see Luke cut Vader's hand off. And then a couple scenes later, um, they're trying to escape the death star, which is about to blow up. And, Later's like, you know, Luke, help me take this mask off. And Luke's like, you're going to die. And he's like, well, nothing is going to stop that now. And 11-year-old me was like, well, dude, you just got your hand cut off. That's not that bad. But, you know, he his body is run by basically a really sophisticated iron lung. And the Emperor's got the force and lightning magic. And, you know, whether it was, like, accidental or I always wanted to believe that, like, the, the Emperor really didn't know, obviously, that he was going to be betrayed by Vader there in the final moments and sort of, like – used his last seconds before being thrown into the the energy reactor to sort of use the force to just like mess him up as sort of like his his final act of like no one betrays me i'm the emperor ah! and then that's sort of why like 
you know, Vader knows that like the suit is broken. He needs that to live. He's, he's about to die. That's fair, I guess. So, I mean, cause Vader ultimately kind of sacrifices himself. I mean, even though he kind of knew he was going to die anyway, but he makes use of his final moments instead of just throwing Which all comes towel. full circle. It does come full circle because his hand is chopped off. They're still scuffling in the air and on the ground. Uh, they get the shield up. Leia gets shot, I think. Yes, that is another time. I Our producer, Sean, did point this out, that a stormtrooper did connect. He shot Leia in the shoulder. Yeah, but he didn't kill her. Like, so, like, like, and, and, and with the accuracy of the stormtroopers, that almost seems like that was an accident, that he was he was probably going to hit, like, the door next to her and, like, oh, I, I missed and I got her shoulder. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> oh, so that, that's another moment where, like, we can't break into this bunker. Like, the whole success of our rebellion depends on breaking and blowing this up. Get R2 over here. He can do it. So R2 is, like, slicing into this. Han Solo uses R2 as cover and then gets blown up. It's like... <laughs> How yes. solo get in front of R2D2? R2D2 should be using you for cover right now. He's the more important thing here. So it is inc- it is all Han's fault is what I'm hearing. <laughs> he's he's literally shielding himself behind R2D2 who is like the whole success of this mission is now on R2 shoulders and he gets shot. I didn't notice that the first time truly because there was just so much going on in that scene, but now I'm just mad at yeah. Han. Because, come on, you got to protect R2. We can't lose him. So so another interesting factoid about that Battle of Endor. So I, I, I've already talked about that um, Harrison Ford was, was kind of, you know, not really in love with this franchise. You know, kind of did it under obligation, came back for the third movie because they just offered him a, a ridiculous amount of money. But, like, made a plea to George Lucas. He really wanted his character to die in the battle for Endor. Like he wanted to to you know they had a lot of trouble getting in they were ambushed he wanted Han Solo to to valiantly sacrifice himself and be the one who blows it up so that his friends can blow up the Death Star and save the day or whatever because he was sort of like just done with it and he didn't ever want to come back and the story goes that George Lucas thought about it for like two seconds is like no I think the Han Solo action figure is going to sell more if you stay alive so we're going to keep you alive for this and he was and right. He was right. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, I guess I'm glad he was still around because he does eventually kind of hotwire it, sort of, or whatever. But I do want, as we end this, I think the more important scene to talk about is uh, Luke and Darth Vader's final moments together because it is very moving. Uh, they Luke is like still very dead set on saving him. He says the whole line of, I have to save you. And he says, you already have. And it's like, oh, heart. Your heart really did grow. Uh, but he does die. And he says, you know, I want to see you with my own eyes. So cute. And they, I mean, that's kind of the conclusion is Luke has to say goodbye to this man that he just met kind of thing. Uh, and they need to get out of there. And of course, they save the day. They blow up the Death Star. Wahoo. And it ends with a big dance party. That has a lot of extra scenes in it. Which, Jared. which, if you're just watching these three movies for the first time ever, probably don't make a lot of sense. Not at all. Where are these random locations we've never seen before? Why is someone yelling, Wisa Free? What does Wisa Free mean? I don't know. What who's this random mean? actor who's now appearing beside Ghost Anakin or Ghost Obi-Wan and Ghost Yoda? We've never seen him mm-hmm. before. Luke has surely never seen him before. Who is this guy? All of those questions need to be answered. (laughs) It was rough, uh, especially watching this with my boyfriend who kept pointing out in the last however many, like five minutes of this movie, like that special effects, that's the special edition, that's added, that's added, that's added. Oh, yeah, by the way, that's not the same actor. By the way, they added that. It was very sad to hear. So I did watch the original. So I have seen the original. So you got to hear you got to hear the song. You got to hear the song that everyone fell in love with for like 30 years. Yes. And I am I am shocked and sad that that song didn't even stay into the special edition. I get why they wanted to add the different cities or whatever to weave it into one, two, and three. I get why they added the actor to make it look like it's all one story. But you could have still had the song. Yeah. So. But we oh my we goodness. got that instead and, and, you know, 
fade to black, roll credits. Man, and I I can't believe that we made it through. <laughs> we defeated the Empire, or did we? I should say. <laughs> I feel like we need to apologize to all the people for all the really interesting things and lines that we didn't reference or we didn't talk about because I think we could have take we could have spent two hours on each individual movie and still not covered at all. I, I had prepared a whole section on how uh, George Lucas's first wife uh, like really was the true hero of Star Wars and and you know we're only here because of her but um, that that would have taken too long to get into so people can can google that on their own. That feels like bonus content to me, but yes, I know that you all have your own hot takes and your own emotional connections to this movie and this trilogy, and so I'm sorry if Jared or I offended you in any way. We did not mean to. We are just two podcasters cruising through the galaxy together. Jared, I will see you, I guess, in episode seven. (laughs) Looking forward to it. That's a wrap on Season 1 of Jackie Watches Stuff. We're taking a little break, but we'll be back with Season 2 on September 18th. In the meantime, I'd like to thank our supporters in the Academy on Patreon. Paul, Brianna, Jarrett, Thomas, Linda, Missy, and Logan. If you'd like to join the Academy and get a shout-out for supporting us, just visit patreon.com slash JackieWatchesStuff. If you'd like to support us in a non-monetary way, we'd love an iTunes review, or just share us with your family and friends. Jackie Watches Stuff is hosted by Jackie Vetrano and produced by me, Sean Flynn. You can find me on Twitter, at WXGeek. The Jackie Watches Stuff fan rendition of the Star Wars theme was written and composed by Sean Flynn, and was performed by the Jackie Watches Stuff house band. The Jackie Watches Stuff house band is Kazoo 1, Kazoo 2, Bass Kazoo 1, Marimba, Half Moon Tambourine, Maraca, and LP Session Shaker, all performed by Sean Flynn. Jackie Watches Stuff is available wherever fine podcasts are sold, or listen online at JackieWatchesStuff.com. You can also find us on Twitter. We're at Jackie Watches. See you September 18th for Season 2 of Jackie Watches Stuff. <laughs>